Attention HR professionals. Are you tired of dealing with poor performance from your managers? Are you sick of having managers run to you for every single little problem? Would you like to build the confidence and competence of your management team? If so, then contact Boss Builders. At Boss Builders, we specialize in building up the skills and confidence of your organization's managers. We do this through our popular Driving Results on-site training programs, our signature program, the Video-Driven Boss Builder Academy, and we even license our course materials so you and your internal training staff can get those managers confident and competent. For more information on how we can help you improve the performance of your organization's managers, contact us today at www.thebossbuilders.com or at 931-221-2988. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you who've been in the role for a while and are struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the transition to management. You know, as the boss, we always stress that you have three major responsibilities. The first is to be able to fix systems and processes. The second is to protect the house. And the third is to develop people. Our guest today is Sharon Armstrong. Sharon is a former HR executive, now an HR consultant, and the co-author of the book, The Essential HR Handbook. Sharon's going to spend time talking with us today about how to do two of those three really well. The first area she's going to cover is how to develop people better. And she's going to talk about not only how to develop talent, but how to find the right talent, how to screen the right talent, how to do it legally, and then how to onboard them the right way. She's then going to shift the focus on the third area that you should be responsible for, and that is protecting the house. And that's where she's going to throw the other part of her HR hat on and talk to us about things like steering clear of legal problems, um, how to handle some of the basic challenges of an HR nature that come across your desk as the boss. And then finally, she'll touch on how to handle this really, really delicate area of termination, how to do that well and do it legally. At the end, she'll give you information on how to reach out to her and more importantly, how to buy that book, The Essential HR Handbook. If you're listening to this on your drive, I would highly recommend when you get home, you listen to it a second time so you can take good notes these are some things that are going to not only make your life easier as the boss, but keep you out of a lot of trouble. So with no further delay, let's meet our guest, Sharon Armstrong. Sharon Armstrong, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mac. Hey, it's really great to have you on board. I've known you for several years now, uh, especially when we lived in Maryland and I reached out to you for a couple of things. But I know that you have a newly released edition of your book, The Essential HR Handbook. And I want to take some time in this episode to talk about what the boss needs to know about HR issues. But before we get there, I was hoping maybe you could share a little bit about your background and then we'll get into some of these questions. Sure, Mac. Uh, and thanks for having me as your guest today. I have around 18 years in-house as an HR executive, and then I started my consulting business, focusing just on HR issues that will help bosses in the challenges that they have. Uh, we had this wonderful opportunity recently to re get our book republished after 10 years when the original one came out, 
A lot has changed in HR, a lot of changes for bosses to deal with. So we were happy to have that opportunity to focus on what those issues are and help those bosses out there who need who need to know how to make the workplaces work for them and for their employees. That's great. We had an attorney, Joe Price, on uh, several months ago, and you know his talk was you know how to keep yourself out of court, and that's from a lawyer. And so what I like to think about is for the boss, the HR business partner is your best friend. I, I like to tell them that it's kind of like having a tag team partner in a wrestling match. It's their job to help bail you out when there's trouble, but they expect you to do most of the wrestling. But to be able to be effective, the boss needs to understand basics of HR. And and, and also what we're going to talk about too is talent development. So we are privileged to have you here. And at the end, uh, you will have the opportunity to find out where to buy this book, which if you are the boss and listening, you better buy this book. So let's talk about talent management first. My first question is, uh, right now, the economy, of course, is really, really good. Companies that we work with at Boss Builders are always hiring. And I'm hearing a lot about a shortage of talent. So how would your book help the boss deal with that critical issue? Sure. Uh, I feel that finding the right folks for your department is always a critical step. If it's done well, Mac, it can build a hardworking, loyal staff, and it'll help grow the boss's area. But if it's done poorly, it can increase turnover. So remember, as the boss, you want to get things done through your people, so select carefully. In the book, we talk about workforce planning, finding applicants, reviewing resumes and looking for those red flags, uh, interview questions that'll draw out real work experiences that'll let the boss know that this applicant has that relevant experience to get that exact job you need done. We even have a suggested format for interviews. But at the beginning, to make a successful hire, the boss has to have a clear understanding of the job. Uh, Then they have to prepare targeted behavioral interview questions and then be a good listener. The job of the boss is to objectively assess the applicant by describing the job and the work environment in a really positive but honest way and create goodwill for the organization, whether that person is hired or not. And then once the candidate is hired, it's time to celebrate them and onboard them so they'll feel like a welcomed and new uh, working member of your team. Well, on that note, because there's always the the honeymoon phase of a new hire, hey, I'm so excited to be here. I've, I've been waiting forever to get a, a second, you know, a second opportunity. Now I have it. I find sometimes that it kind of runs out of steam very quickly because then a person is just sort of tossed in and expected to do the job. So do you have any recommendations for the best way a boss could onboard an employee where they wouldn't feel like, okay, wow, now you got me. Now you're just treating me like old furniture. Yeah, I do, Mac. And I think that is an important distinction to make between onboarding and orientation. Onboarding is more extensive. Because you've spent a lot of time and money and effort trying to recruit the best candidates for your job openings, you've made the job offers and they've accepted, now it's time to give them everything they need to get started on the right foot, fully integrating them into your organization's culture, and set it up so they are quickly contributing to your mission. They're feeling good about what they're doing and you're feeling good about it. So that onboarding is that process that helps new employees achieve the expectations and goals you had in mind as the boss when you hired them. 
And this includes things as feeling comfortable in their new surroundings, understanding the culture and the traditions of your organization, helping them form strong working relationships with their colleagues. The, the goal that you have with onboarding is to help that new hire be a productive employee as quickly and efficiently as possible. It goes way beyond that orientation, which is just a part of onboarding. Um, it just makes sense to plan an approach to onboarding and orientation, because again, it leads to greater employee retention and management. And now let's take a break for a quick word from our sponsor. What do you do when you have an employee who is highly skilled and highly motivated, but is still not successful? Some of these symptoms might be a person who's abrasive to others. Maybe they're not able to effectively communicate to others. Sometimes they say inappropriate things in meetings or in a one-on-one -on -one session. You observe them being culturally insensitive or highly opinionated. Or maybe they just have a few rough edges that need to be removed in order to be successful. In these cases, training is not your best option. At Boss Builders, we recommend coaching. Our strategic partner, Wisdom Tree Coaching, provides one-on-one -on -one or group coaching to resolve focus factor problems. The ICF certified coaches at Wisdom Tree Coaching use behavioral assessments and 360 surveys to define the root issue of the problem and then co-create solutions with the client. Wisdom Tree Coaching also facilitates a popular practical course entitled Coaching as a Discipline for Managers. Your managers will get helpful and useful skills to provide a coaching approach with their direct reports to mitigate and eliminate focus issues. Remember, training fixes skill problems. The best way to fix a behavior problem is through coaching. Contact the professionals at Wisdom Tree Coaching at 304-549-4630 or you can find them online at wisdomtreecoaching.com. And now back to the show. Well, as soon as they're then uh, not only oriented, but onboarding, it's time to get them to be productive. And so what do you recommend for the boss to do to set some really good performance goals for them? You know, it's the old tried and true smart approach to goal setting. Smart meaning specific, measurable, challenging, but achievable, uh, realistic and time-specific goals. So the boss should sit down with the employee and agree on a plan for the future and involve them in the process, which is really an important key. You know, one of the things that I hear a lot about is companies that are now thinking about doing away with formal appraisals. Uh, in my experience, there are some companies that do it where they're meeting quarterly, others do it annual but I am starting to see little hints of people saying we're going to just throw out performance management in the appraisals altogether. Uh, first of all, I want to know how you feel about that. And is that something that you cover in your book? You know, I have to give a shameless promotion. I wrote two other books on performance appraisals. So I think they're important if they're done correctly. And in this book, Mac, we have an entire chapter on this issue, starting with why measuring performance is important. We look at what works and what hasn't worked with current systems, and we focus on how to do it right so that it's motivating. What we do know about today's workers is that they want constant feedback, not a yearly discussion of what they did right or what mistakes they made a year ago. 
Um, but each boss needs to find a way to do this important part of their job. I think that ongoing feedback is the key. For those who have regularly scheduled meetings, we've provided a format for a boss to follow. It's not so much that you have to have that annual meeting. It's that you've had many meetings and the performance appraisal is really the culmination of all those meetings that you've had throughout the period. I like that. I think one of the complaints that we hear a lot is that, you know, I'm supposed to be doing all this people management and, and I don't have the time because I'm so busy putting out fires all day. But it sounds like if we carve out a little bit of time for some regular feedback, those maybe those incidents won't happen. Is that that about right? Yeah, I agree. Make it part of your regular job. I have to tell you something funny. When I was researching the other books, uh, I found the funniest definition of performance appraisals. They said it was like fruitcake. You get it once a year and no one wants it. <laughs> well, that's just sad. It doesn't have to be like that. So it's really can be a challenge, but it's an important part of a manager's job to build it into their structure, to give that feedback. It's a There's a mantra out there, when you see it, say it. Just get used to giving ongoing converse, uh, feedback on whatever you're seeing with the employee, good, bad, and then some correction if needed. Yeah, I'm still hung up on the fruitcake. The only thing I would tell you about that analogy is that fruitcake lasts forever. Is that the case with what you do in performance management? <laughs> I think the point is that no one wants it. It's horrible. How do <laughs> no, they I'll tell you, my wife and my father-in-law eat that stuff, and it's nasty. It is nasty. Yes. <laughs> Let's stay away from it. I, I will if you will. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm feeling a bit nauseated, so I better Me move too. on to the other questions. Yeah. All right. So let's let's think about uh, now. We've we've talked about the individuals being hired, onboarded, oriented. Now they've got goals. So aside from those regular feedback sessions. Are there some other things a boss can do to make sure that the employees are actually getting better every day? Yeah. And I think this is critical also for a boss to think about from time to time. One of the things that retains employees is an ability to develop at work. And that can take a lot of different forms, coaching, mentoring, or an individual's individualized personal development plan which uses a variety of different training methods for an employee. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Webinars, podcasts like we're doing now, online courses. But I think the thing to remember is don't engage in training just for the sake of training. Hold your employees accountable for the training they receive. That means noticeable improvement in performance skills and work behavior. Well, now, if we've got that going, I think the next thing to think about is is our environment, is our company's culture. Is that something then that people will want to stay? I've invested a lot of time and effort to get you up and running. I want you to stay. So, you know, I hear this quite a bit. You know, we really want our company to have a Chick-fil-A culture or a Disney culture or a Google culture. Uh, how can the boss provide a great environment for their employees without having to go to that extreme? Well, I love this topic and, uh, and the focus on culture because I think it is important. We've developed an entire, devoted an entire chapter to this. Creating and maintaining an environment that's conducive to employees doing their best work is the goal because it yields high levels of productivity and it lowers turnover. And it's the right thing to do for our employees. It involves everything from making sure job responsibilities are clear, finding a coworker to help employees learn their jobs, perhaps finding a mentor, 
In other words, supplying all the tools, uh, all the support, and the workforce uh, workplace environment that they need to enjoy their job and do it well. So keeping conversations about culture ongoing so you're keeping your finger on the pulse and you can pivot and help when you need to. Okay. Well, you know, the first part of the questions deal with one of those really important tenets we believe bosses should do, and that's develop others. One of the other things that we really encourage bosses to do is to take very seriously their responsibility to protect the house. And in protecting the house, those that's where we start getting into some of the HR issues. And so what can a boss do to steer clear of legal problems? Well, that's really critical to watch the house. Absolutely. Um, there are a host of employment law issues that govern the management in the workplace these days. You can't completely eliminate legal risk, Mac, but you can minimize the risk that an employee will sue you, and you can greatly improve your odds of prevailing by following really some simple rules. You want to treat employees fairly and consistently the way you would like to be treated. You want to follow your organization's public policy, published policies. Um, you don't want to base employment decisions on stereotypes or assumptions. You want to be in the habit of articulating legitimate, non-discriminatory business reasons, even if it's for your own reassurance. And if in doubt, check with an expert in your HR department or your employment counsel. And if you follow these rules, you'll not only minimize your employment risk, but you'll also maximize uh, the likelihood of making sound business decisions. I know that there should be a healthy level of fear to, to make the boss take this very seriously. Do you ever find that people get so paralyzed and, and terrified that they actually just don't do anything? Well, or address any of these things. Yeah, and you can't be held captive as a boss. You have to be proactive in dealing with these issues because you and I both know, Mac, they don't get better. So no. you need to address them early on um, so that you can uh, respect the workplace, make sure you're having an environment that's good for the other employees as well. You're only going to make it worse by not dealing with it. But know that you have support out there. And you just need to know where to find that. Good, good. Well, let's think about the environment. And so uh, how would a boss start thinking about the work environment and creating more opportunities uh, to have a diverse environment where they may have uh, maybe a different perspective on how they run the department? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think a diverse work environment is not just a good idea. It's a business necessity. And there are many types of diversity that employers should be sensitive to. The basic ones like race, gender, age, ethnicity, sexual orientation, religious, uh, national origin. But I would invite bosses to expand that to include diversity of thought, work experience, education, socioeconomic status, communication styles. The bottom line is we need to create a work environment that attracts and retains all kinds of individuals. And we have an obligation to create that work environment that is conducive to everyone doing their best work and valuing all employees. So with that in mind, there's a lot of things to gather those type of folks in our workplace. Okay. Well, 
I would imagine if you're going to gather together people who don't typically work together and bring varying opinions, there could possibly be conflict among other things. So what are some types of workplace challenges uh, that you've seen in your experience and how should the boss navigate those? Well, there are many workplace challenges these days and there seems to be more and more. So I think the bottom line is where we started, the need to hire the best folks, but then guide them effectively to achieve the goals. And while doing that, you're juggling. You're trying to create the work environment that acknowledges work-life balance so you don't burn your employees out. You support wellness programs. You follow some strong ethics procedures, making sure everything is according to uh, what the policies are, and listening carefully to what is creating barriers for your team. I think that listening is really a key, so you're keeping uh, your eye on what challenges might be coming so you can closely listen and eradicate some of them. One last topic I want to cover, and, and this is a very uncomfortable topic, and and it's one that, you know, as, as of today's date, this is the 19th of February, 2019, there was a shooting last week at a, at a company in Colorado, and it was around a termination. And five people that worked at the company were killed, including, which was super sad, a, an HR intern who was there for their very first day. And in the back of my mind, my son is a boss. He works at a large company in Florida. This always weighs on my mind. Termination. With everything that you've talked about up to this point, there still could be that possibility that someone is not going to work out. So Sharon, what do you recommend that a boss needs to keep in mind before they do a termination? Mac, I heard, read that story yesterday with that young intern and those four others. It breaks your heart. And clearly, termination is one of the most difficult parts of a manager's job. And the message is one of the hardest for an employee to hear. So regardless of the reason for a termination, managers should always deliver the news in a sensitive and humane way, and not until they're sure that termination is the appropriate step. So before deciding to terminate an employee, you want to consider some questions. Would you take the same step for any employee in the situation? Is it's a lawful, non-discriminatory reason for termination? Has the supervisors or top executives reviewed and approved the decision to terminate? Would you be able to explain the termination decision to the employee clearly and honestly? Will you be able to justify the decision if necessary? And once a decision is made, we have included a step-by-step -step procedure if you have to do that. And built into that are safety measures for the person delivering the message and for the entire workplace. It's, it's sensitive and it seems to be getting more sensitive uh, as time goes on. Well, I, I guess the thing I always think about when I hear about workplace violence like this is that, and I hate to say it, usually the person that comes back is looking for their boss. Yeah. And, and that worries me. And so I guess maybe one thing I would add is just keep in mind that you are dealing with human beings that have feelings and emotions yeah. and and you just, you have to really be careful that you treat a person with dignity. Uh, if a person is not perform well and they are treated with dignity and they have to be let go, there's a very good chance they'll say, you know what, I guess I did have this coming and I'm good with it. And, and I think on a regular basis, if you treat your workforce like humans, that's one step that, that might 
alleviate some of the, the tragedy we just saw. And Mac, I agree. I think that if you reach a day in your life where a termination is easy, you probably should examine that pretty carefully about yourself. A time might be to get into something else. The other thing is if you have had ongoing conversations and warnings to the employee, uh, it really shouldn't be a, a shock. Sometimes you don't have that opportunity if it's something egregious that happens, but most times you do. And if it's a poor work performance issue, it really is, we have to share the blame. Perhaps it wasn't the best hire. We didn't take the time we needed, but I couldn't agree with you more. It has to be done in the most sensitive and humane and consistent and fair way. Okay. Well, I hate to end on that sad note, so I think we need a happy note. Um, yeah. The happy note for me is that uh, you have this book, The Essential HR Handbook, available. And so where can my audience get a hold of you and most importantly, get a hold of that book? Well, the book is on Amazon, like every other book in the world, and we are thrilled and honored to be part of the Amazon listings. Uh, and if anyone has any questions for me, my website is www.trainersandconsultants.net. Be happy to handle, take any questions or help in any way. And I think, and I need to mention this too, you, you let me know this before we got started, the first 10 people that contact you on your website, get a, did I hear this right? A fruitcake? <laughs> no, that must've been your last guest. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right. So if you, if you want fruitcake, do not go to trainersandconsultants.net. Good deal. Right. Well, Sharon, I appreciate you taking your time to speak with us today. We really appreciate the information. And if you are listening to this, as soon as you stop this podcast, you log on to Amazon and purchase that book. My pleasure, Mac. Thank you so much for letting me be a guest today. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast. You know, if you're listening to these as you are commuting to and from work, I would highly recommend you listen again when you get home just so you can take some notes. We do our best to get you great information and sometimes if you're like me, you got to write the stuff down. On another note, for your further development, if you work for an organization and you think that it would be valuable to partner with us, which I think is a good idea, we invite you to check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. We have three options, our signature driving results on-site workshop, which our trainers come out and deliver for you. We also have our very popular Boss Builder Academy, which is video driven. And we also offer the option of having your organization license our training materials so that your trainers can go ahead and deliver them on site. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher, the other thing we'd appreciate is if you could just take a moment and leave us a brief, positive, of course, review. That would really help us out a great deal. And refer this podcast to anybody you know that you think could benefit from it. Until the next time we meet. Get out there, boss up, boss on, and more importantly, make a commitment to being the boss at being a great boss. Goodbye.